you feel a moment where it's like, oh shit, it's happening. And you see it and the people are, you know, giving you so much love and support. And then your family is kind of like, okay, everything that he he was chasing and he wanted said he wanted to do, he's doing it. It's happening. We're here, we're supporting, and it's, you know, family's crying. Everybody's just happy to see that you finally are doing what you set out to do. Um, I saw I, we were actually mad, mad at my family. <laughs> that is a Rory fucking thing. T- ten, 10 years of like ah, oh, what is he doing over there and now, like, now they told lo- you mom now they love it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they rave about you Yo. at work right no worry Episode of the new Rory Mall podcast. I am all. I'm Eden, and we are back Bike. for a new pod. Going nuts with a really good friend of ours. It's fucking very lit. talented, very uh, articulate gentleman. Articulate. Don't say his full name though, because he's still you know trying to hide his identity. No, Zod. He's a a. Hi guys. A just bleep that. A boogie with the hoodie. <laughs> uh, we are with our friend, our guy, talented, uh, super cool, suave, suave gentleman, Azad. Anyone that wears us. a bubble coat on the couch of a friend's house is pretty suave. Listen, man, because he's so cool, you know what I mean? <laughs> you got to keep the puff on, man. You know what it is? You know it's freezing. It's good climate control in here. I'm offended it's at you guys. It's a beautifully climate controlled <laughs> place. I really appreciate it. The this. lighting's great. You have sunglasses on, a hat. Listen, man, what's I got up, what's up, it's man? not covering your ears. What's going on? It's my first time in New York in two years. Really? Hey. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, since we had our Webster show back in fall of 21. Yes. Which actually is a year, but the pandemic makes it feel like two. Um, that my was shirt almost, is thrashed, that was so I'm wearing, that was I'm wearing a jacket. Yeah. It has been a while. How do, how do you feel uh, being back here? What's the energy like? You feel like the energy in the city is totally different? Last time I was here, I was in a... You know, wonderful relationship. Okay. I haven't been single in New York in like half a decade. That sounds like a great yeah. record. Single in New York? That should be the name of your next record. Oh, man. Single. There was a whole show. It's called Sex in the City. But. Oh <laughs> <laughs> We've seen the series. Control, y'all are. Uh, no, nah, it, it feels good to be back in New York. The energy is great. You know, we have our project coming out on Friday. Yep. First time being independent mm-hmm. and uh, just grateful. First time being independent. First time being single. It's a lot of firsts. Do you feel like volume three is more personal? Because I, I know you've, you've written things from other people's perspectives and, and you're that type of writer that you don't necessarily have to be going through it to write a song about it. Do you feel like this is the first project that's f- fully emotionally about your personal experience? You know, me and Val were talking about that, um, where this one is definitely uh, a bit more of my you know personal story. Yeah. Whereas on volume one and volume two, you know, she was with uh, my best friend that I grew up with and I was just kind of witnessing what was happening and and able to have just like this bird's eye perspective as to what was going on. And that kind of drove a lot of the creativity. Whereas now, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wrote like nine records in seven days in Greece and was just able to experiment with a whole, whole bunch of different sounds that I feel like I haven't in the past. And, um, the short answer is yes. Obviously, you know, she helped me through every single kind of record and she helped, you know, elevate it and take it there. Um, but it's definitely the most personal of the four mixtapes. No, it got reversed. Now she had to channel your ex. <laughs> she said <laughs> that. Speak for her. Bro, she said that when she was singing this hook, um, when we were writing it, she was like, damn, I, I really got to take it there because I know this feeling of like, let you know, if you scroll down, you can see these lyrics like I'm so broken, you know. Let me go. Um, it's, it's up a little bit. My walls painted up with Novocaine. Look around. I don't, I don't feel, feel a thing, thing here. here. Oof. <laughs> yeah, you talking that. Damn. <laughs> I like that type of shit is odd. Um, I can't hide that I'm in denial. Every convo overcompensate. Selling dreams. No, that ain't my style. Hey, there needs to be a series where it's just Maul reciting my lyrics. And that is like this is we could do an audio book of Bro, just small reading Bro, look, the entire I just, volume I just, three. I, I I recognize like just a cool way of saying, yo, listen, I I know I fucked up, but what do you want me to? This is this is the life I'm in. This is, you know, the life chose me. I didn't choose this life. You know what I mean? That's straight cap. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 
No, uh, no wonder, no wonder he was garbage. You gotta tell a girl sometimes, like, listen, I didn't choose this life. You know what I mean? Like, they just woke up and one day they were just outside screaming my name. <laughs> was outside. Yeah, uh, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? I still love you, though. I will say this. This is not one of those situations where, like, fools didn't get, you know, girls back in high school and then all of a sudden caught a little break. Because that, <laughs> that, that to me is just, like, the epitome of... I don't really respect or jive with those kind of people. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen a lot, especially in my city. Like, fools will, you know, just catch a check and then they'll start acting hella different. No, that's corny. I'm not into that. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's why I said this has very little to do with her and everything to do with me and just, you know, all the shit that I carpeted for all those years mm. uh, getting to the bottom of it. So, after that, um, hmm. where do I want to go with this? We'll get away from your personal you life. You know for a too second. much. I know that's you why know I'm, I'm trying much. to be very yeah, careful. We, we, we could, we, because we, we, I do respect the personal uh boundaries. So all right, I'll pivot a little bit here. Outside of being newly single, newly independent. And as someone that's yes, been sir. in this business for shit, 12, 13 years? Twelve years. Twelve since years. I was twenty one, yep. Yeah. Hmm. Um, been through the major label system, now with the independent system. What's been the difference? Was we have a lot of creatives that are our listeners, audience, as well as a lot of musicians, a lot of people that are trying to break into the music industry, don't fully understand it, know that, all right, if I catch a major label lick, I'll get an advance and feel like I've made it. 10 years later, feel like shit. What, right. What's been this, this process? Because you've been on both sides of it. Look, I want to say um, it's not like one size fits all. And mm-hmm. I really do give a big shout out to... Uh, especially our partners in the past, like when we had they and Gallant going through Warner in, in 2015. And then obviously when we did our shit with Darkest and Latrice and Island in, in 2019, uh, there was a time and a place and they all did a great job. But there comes a time where uh, the cost of doing business mm-hmm. just isn't worth it anymore. Mm. And when you got someone that's in their 50s or 60s that doesn't speak the language of what you're working on, uh, communicating your music or your art to these platforms, from that perspective, it doesn't make sense. And same goes for, you know, when you talk about like a and or marketing, it's like, well, if you don't live this and you're just like kind of taking a box, I don't need 19 cooks in the kitchen. We're, yeah. You know, I'm writing, producing, mixing all this shit with our internal team. And I actually enjoy that. It's not like a chore. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, well, I got to get in and do these sessions and then I got to go and find a mixer. And But these are all experiences and shit that I really learned from. Mm-hmm. And then when you bust it down to the business of it, and I think this is where there's, to me, a really high level of confusion. Um, and for simple math, you know, if you sign for a million dollars and you get a great deal with these majors, you do an 80-20, mm-hmm. you know, an 80-20 royalty deal, out the gate, you're in for $5 million. And some people don't understand, well, how did you get that number? It's like, well, for every dollar that they gave you, you got to recoup 5X because mm-hmm. 20 times five is 100. <clears throat> so same goes where they give you tour support. Now, all of a sudden, 100 grand tour support to go on tour, that's 500,000 you're in a hole. And for the 49 artists on that dartboard, or let's say there's like a major label and they throw 50 darts at a board that one artist is going to pay for the 49 mistakes. But if you're in that 49 and you're not careful, you may get to a place where not only like you lose your passion or you lose your love for it, but you also just get disillusioned to the business. And it's not the artist's fault. It's not the major's fault because the people that are at the majors running it have no control. It's an archaic business model built by really old people that are out of touch. Mm-hmm. And the new business model isn't educated or, or, or the, there isn't um, a healthy form of educating the new business model because there's not enough people winning in that regard. And the ones that are catch a big generational bag, you know, whether it's 20, 30, 40 million to go and do a deal after they've been independent and they don't talk about how they built that. So by the way, it's not cheap. Uh, Up until five days ago, I was like shaking in my boots trying to figure out how we're going to fund this tour how I can keep trying to make like orange textured vinyl and these candles and all mm-hmm. the flash shit that we want to make. But at the same time, make sure the music gets heard. Like it costs a quarter million to take a record to radio. If you did that with the major out the gates, you'd be in for whatever that is 1.25. Right. So you got to pick your spots a little different and sure being on a 90, 10, 
a 90-10 profit split where you own, that's awesome. But how are you incentivizing your partners? Mm-hmm. You know, my best friend is my art director, my creative partner. He has equity on shit that we work on. If mm-hmm. if I was trying to give like a zero to, to one plan for an artist, if you're just like somebody in a studio making music and you're trying to build your team, find partners. Um, right. This is what I didn't learn when I was, you know, failing in 23 years old. It took me that nine, 10 years because I didn't understand how do you align your interests with these people? Well, you got to treat them like fair partners. Mm-hmm. You know, our management partner, Britt, she has equity. She's effectively like the CEO of Emotional Oranges. You know, Rory is obviously doing a lot of the help A&R and marketing and branding, but somebody needs to run the business. Yeah, Rory has, you know, three full-ass jobs. I got three full-ass jobs. Well, who's going to run it? Mm-hmm. Brittany's incredible, mm-hmm. you know? So, but there's also those horror stories then when you look at it and it's like, well, I managed such and such. They got to X level line on Coachella and they fired me. A couple of my close friends did this to their managers. There's no equity in that. So just like trying to reimagine, like, how are you building your business to get to a place where maybe in the beginning it makes sense to take that funding from a major and do a mm, lopsided right, deal. Right. But when you get out of that shit, mm-hmm. restructuring and making sure that everyone involved feels like, at, like, don't just say partners. Because if you're paying them, if they're if they're catching a wage on a first and a fifteenth, they're not a partner. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like hella passionate leaving the major, uh, is because I understood I I got the information that I needed mm-hmm. and was able to apply it in real time. Sorry for the rent. No, oh, no, that was dope. That was very necessary um, to hear that. And it, it's it's interesting because I I do love that independent and talking about independence has become so trendy, and I don't mean that in a bad way. What type of artist do you think makes sense on a major as far as what their business model would be or the type of music that they're trying to make or the audience they're trying to get to would make sense on a major versus someone that would make sense independently? Because obviously with EO, everything for the most part is in-house. Like what the fuck does a major outside yeah. of funding? What's the point of a major? I had to be really, really honest and check my ego at the door and, and be a little like brutally self-aware. Maybe the shit that we're making you know, at the time with the deal, I was 29. Maybe I'm a little too old to pop off commercially and be able to look myself in the mirror and go, well, shit, I could still build an arena touring fan base. And, you know, my favorite artist, when, when you, when I bust it down to like, you know, Janet, Gorillas, and Sade, if that's like my North Star shit, mm-hmm. then, I mean, Gorillas just caught their, their second lick this year with the, mm-hmm. all the TikTok shit happening. Yeah. I saw Damon Albarn perform at the forum. 10,000 tickets at 54 years old. It felt like he was 34 and he's making eight figures a year quietly and he can go to the grocery store and still cop shit and go back. Right. So for me, it was really hard to not be like, I want to grow up and be like the people that I saw on, you know, BET and MTV. And it's all good if I create this really ill cult base with my family, essentially at this point, like y'all are fucking like my brothers and sisters and shit. Like, I prefer that. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was really really challenging to be honest cuz you have to kind of like let one dream die, one dream die in order for another one to kind of be born if that makes sense. But do you feel like it's a necessary thing like you have to go through uh the the having the the deal to learn the business and then you say okay, I would rather do this independently and give my friends and the people around me ownership and build this thing together. Like a lot of people come in now to say, they want to be independent. They want to be independent out the gate. Do you think that's a good thing? Or do you think it's sometimes necessary to, you know, go through the label thing and and learn that part of it, but then eventually get to a place where you own everything. I completely agree. And also you can just do more healthy deals. Now it's like almost like the status quo to do licensing deals with these majors. But even then make sure you understand the business. Because sometimes it's better to have them take more of the pie so they can bring to life your vision. I'll I'll keep it super G with you. I have no interest in waking up at 6 a.m. and getting on a phone call with a radio plugger in Singapore, bro. My my, my talents are much better utilized in a studio here with y'all. Like, you know, trying to think of some creative merch shit. I have no interest in talking to like old boy in Madrid trying to get my shit on the radio. I don't even know what the, I don't speak Spanish like that. So why would I, so understanding, well, wait a second, 
if I do this deal with such and such major, and if you really had the leverage to do that and your song is already working in said places, that's where they can come in and amplify at a real level. But if you're naive and you got to remember, this is, I thought about not saying this shit and I feel like I need to because we're at this place. Right now, the way that the music industry is built for everyone involved, not, not just the major labels, it's incentivizing the short-term bag. So the business manager is mm. catching 5%, the lawyer is catching 5%, the manager is catching 20%. All this is upfront of whatever you sign on the front end, mm -hmm. but they're not incentivized in the long run. So if some shit happens to you, God forbid, they've already, they might not even finish the agreements for your album. If you do some foul shit, they already made their money. Mm -hmm. But if they were partners and it was in the long term of your product, I promise you, your business manager, your manager, and your lawyer would want to own those rights for the long term if they saw a future with you. Right. So bringing those people into the fold out the gate and making sure y'all see eye to eye, all that shit is like a relationship. And we have to level the playing field financially uh, and from an incentivizing perspective for everyone involved. That's just, that's where I think this shit is fucked up. It's not because the majors are doing bad deals. If y'all had a good team, y'all wouldn't even be talking to the majors to begin with. Mm -hmm. Unless you had a, like, bro, if we catch a viral TikTok moment right now, you think Rory wants to wake his ass up at 5 a.m. and talk to Singapore? No. No. <laughs> they want to, and if Tunji wants to give us 10 million, he's like, yo, you guys started something. You built a great base. It's super cute. We're going to go and make this thing a hit. We could just do one project together. Mm -hmm. Y'all got your, you, you could send us the art, the songs, the na na na. But yeah, but we're, we're in our early thirties now. We've already, we've seen the fuck shit. We're doing 3,800 tickets in LA at the Palladium. Mm -hmm. We're doing Brooklyn Steels. We're doing history in Toronto. We're, but that's because it's been three and a half years of rigorous touring. Right. So if you haven't done that and you're like on TikTok and you catch your moment, some people it's food and beverage. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If it's food and beverage and you can be honest with yourself and everybody involved, cool. Catch your bag. Right. But if you're in this because you want to make great art and you want to create something that lasts, that's a different conversation. That's a whole different trajectory. And as long as the people on your side, you know, uh, can disseminate the two, then you're, you're good money. But I mean, that's speaking from a, a deserved leverage standpoint. Because yeah, Tunji could say, I'll give you 10 mil because you've, you've done this before. But a TikTok's not going to give you leverage with a major. And for the most part, not really matter in the long run if your TikTok viral moment isn't based off publishing you own to begin with. So I see what you're saying. With most artists don't go in with that leverage at all. Do you think there is a, a world where walking in and taking the bullshit deal is worth it? Because you can start to build with some capital, some leverage for the next three projects. So right now, if you go to Bank of America and you have a credit score between 650 and 800, you can get uh, a bank loan of $100,000 for, uh, on average, about 8%. So if I did the math for you right now on a $100,000 deal, which I just did on a on an 80-20, yep. on that 80-20, you owe back 500000 If you go to Bank of America, you owe back 108000 while you're it not, scales up. You're not the first person that I've, I've heard talk about this bank loan shit. It's very it's, difficult, it, especially an artist that, that's usually 18, 19, 20 years old, to, to be able to walk into a mm -hmm. bank and be like, yo, my mixtape, bro. It, it's very difficult to do that. That's why I don't blame a lot of these Go kids for signing bullshit deals because they just don't know. No, I, I don't blame the kids at all. I blame the lack of information and the people involved. Mm. If I got a 50-year-old lawyer who said he's done X amount of deals and he's encouraging you to do such... Ask him if he's listening to your music. Tell him the name's track seven on your tape, bro. Yeah. <laughs> because or, we, or, or ask him how long he's been working for the label that he's negotiating with. <laughs> right. And then they build their deals in for 35 to 50. By the way, I'm not here to, to shit on lawyers, but I'm saying oh, once again, uh, if y'all are incentivized in the long run of my career, you wouldn't want me to do that. Mm -hmm. If I told you on STEM, I'm giving you 5% in perpetuity of X record, you would fight for dear life to make sure that we own that. Mm -hmm. So then act the same way when it's time. Like, that's just the way that I look at it. Mm -hmm. I want to know how much. I like it. We, we, had a, <laughs> we had a conversation years ago. Uh, how much trouble do you think the record industry would be in if, an, if artists like Drake, Rihanna, and Adele went independent? Why don't we just talk about Brent Fias for a second? Okay. Um, I was looking at some weirdo stat on some R&B blog page, and it said that Brent's going to have... Uh, the highest grossing album of the year in R&B in the U.S. In the U.S., okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're seeing uh, on average between Spotify and Apple, 
$4,000 per million streams. Mm-hmm. And he just posted his little joint. He did a billion on Spotify. Um, would you, if you're someone like Brent Fiaz, do the opposite? Would you go to the major? And these are questions that I asked myself seeing this Bad Bunny shit saying he's getting 40 million per album and he's on a 90-10 with The Orchard, which by the way, bro, if y'all are signed to an independent that goes through one of the three majors, you are not independent. Your right. music, no. from a catalog perspective, from a market share perspective, is owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. So, but by the way, here's you're doing stadiums. He's my favorite just like creative right now in the space. Brent? No, oh. a Bad Bunny. But oh, yeah. He's from, a music, from the music side, yeah, Brent for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, look at this shit that he's pulling up. You can see it. He did what ninety five thousand first week. That shit is fucking astronomical, bro. Mm-hmm. Like Brent doing those numbers, the infrastructure Ty and Jane built, that STEM helped build. That's something that I strive for. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I feel if if Drake and Adele and such and such went independent? The short answer is they could probably write their own deal at this point. They probably all already have. And it behooves them not to do that because it's a, that's actually the button getting pressed. Mm. When your song goes out and your name is Drake and you've had 101 top tens, you think future Oliver want to get on the phone with Madrid and try to work this shit in Spain? No, bro. Here's a 92.8 for 250 million. Whoever, whatever universal label wants to do it, run it up. Mm-hmm. But that's a leverage thing too, because Drake, Adele, and them are going to get a deal at a major that no one else can get because the majors right. going to want to make sure they keep them there. Because, like Maul is saying, imagine if they went independent, it would fuck up the entire ecosystem. So they're going to give Drake a deal that no other person could get on a major. But to your Brent point, outside of the money he's making, let's start. What, what's the Drake and uh, Brent record that the Neptunes produced? Wasting time. Wasting time. Wasting time. And I don't know how much we can really say because I, I fuck with Ty and them and I don't want to say too much shit we're not allowed to. The craziest part about that entire thing was not what that record made. It was that Universal bowed down to STEM. Hmm. Brent, Brent, yeah. Brent was able to show that you can have leverage independently that a major that was threatening to take that song down because Drake hadn't cleared it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, he did, but it was oh, a, no. it was, a, it was a market it. share thing, right? But it, yeah. it was it wasn't for Universal's uh, sake to make them feel good. That's what we don't really talk about. And I wish Brent did more interviews and and mm. Ty did more interviews because that's the win right there. Huge. An win. independent artist made a major bow down with the leverage that they had of saying we're going to take this record down. No, the fuck you not. You're not taking it down. Hmm. Hey, listen, uh, I think. It feels like the second coming of like the golden era or whatever for our generation. Mm. And I'm just really thankful to be at a place where like, to me, it all feels like it's uh, an even playing field and I understand it all, which that is the most exciting shit is knowing like, you know, we work on an artist called child obviously together. And that felt really appropriate to be upstream to Tanji Latrice Mm. and the team because he has grandiose visions of how he wants to tour. And when you want to have a nine piece or whatever, and you're like doing 500 tickets, then we need some support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have an idea for a music video and you want to shoot it back in your hometown, Montreal, you probably need 70, 80, 90 bands. But for us, when it's really just like me, Brando, Val, Brit, you, like the internal team coming up with the creative, we're not burning cash on videos and we're trying to get music out and put on even cooler shows. Like I'm not really stressing over some weirdo marketing budget that I got to pay back at 500%. Yeah. I want to create, I want to create something that's going to live longer than I am. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the key of this whole thing is, being able to help educate the next generation so that when they're making their decisions, at least they're looking around and being able to be a little more creative with how they structure their internal companies. Y'all can start, if you're an artist, you're 18, 19, 20, y'all can start an LLC with your art or creative director. Y'all can start one with your producer, mm-hmm. with your manager. You want to make sure that they spend time on you? That's a really great way to do so. Y'all wonder why your manager has to go out and get two or three other clients and take a a paying job at the label where it's like, they're not making shit off you. And they're worried that just like their contemporaries, they might build you up and you might fire them. So I think it's a really healthy discussion to have. Like if y'all really rock with each other for the long run, 
then build something together, have ownership together. And that's just, to me, that's more sexy anyways. Like the, this weirdo shit of like building some shit with somebody and then, oh, but I've always been the artist. I write the na-na-na. It takes a motherfucking village to get your vision out there. That's a fact. So treat people that, yo, if you were on the other side of that, would you be okay with it? Mm-hmm. I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. Talk about the uh, the situation with Frank Ocean mm. and what he did a few years ago with uh, his album and how, because that to me is still some of the most phenomenal shit. He was talking about David Blaine. That was some fucking yeah, magic. Like, like, yeah, like talk talk about <laughs> he that. Got out of his deal better than anyone I've ever seen in my life. How was how was Frank Ocean able to do that? It's um, it's wild you bring that up. I was looking into that shit because. You know, I think he's going to be playing a festival that we're all really excited about next year. Mm-hmm. And um, and we were on that same billing. I wish we would have played that day. But um, that was some real magician shit for sure. Putting the record out because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a recording, right? It's like mm-hmm. you put out 50 minutes of music as a visual and then 24 hours later, put his shit out indie through STEM. Shout out Milana. Shout out the whole team. Um. I think that's a prime example of being able to do things on your own terms, incentivizing the people appropriately, but also paying your dues. Do you feel, as someone that puts out a lot of music, do you judge artists like Frank that are on a schedule of once every five years we might see them? Because I think the music business has changed it to be relevant and respected to some degree you have to put out a lot of music like i love what Nas is doing because he's still proven he's one of the best because he can put volume out it's mm-hmm. we're in a volume world when as far as music goes you can't do the i put an album out i disappear for five years and then i come back it's a different game as someone that puts out a shit ton of music mm. do you look at frank or shit even scissors coming out this week it's been another five years i think scissor right do you think that takes away as how you view them as artists because they take so much time to put music out. I think it's just, um, to each their own with that shit. Like you, you know, if you have to go through, if you're really writing your records and obviously Nas is writing all his shit, mm-hmm. but Nas had time to, I want to say he's probably 50, right? 51. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's like, you know, my favorite, you know, writer of all time. Um, Nas, yeah. Okay, dope. Um, okay, 50. And uh, yeah, to each their own. I think Nas is obviously like him and Hit are on some different... I, I've never seen something like this. Mm-hmm. We were having the conversation because like from a from a, a mind perspective, from like um, from an entrepreneurial perspective, I felt like him and Ho were neck and neck. Mm-hmm. And in the past three years have been something just otherworldly mm-hmm. with him and Hit. And... Yeah, what they've been able to do is, uh, I mean, at 49, 50 years old, for him to, you know, be putting out this amount. Of, and then the knock on him for all, all the years was his uh, his, production. his production was terrible. Um, Which I hate that, but. But this is I, dope. I think it's truth, bro. I think for a long time, no knock to Preem. Like, look, since he, 2000. He, he didn't work with Preem that much. I think he has about half a dozen records with Preem, and they're, they're all pretty great. New York State of Mind, Nas is like, what are the preem records do you have? I mean, let's let's pull up Life's a Bitch. There was a couple preem records. Pre- there was a couple preem records on there. I'm saying he's had Lucy's the entire time. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe not albums, mm-hmm. like you're saying, but to, to Maul's point, having a consistent producer with one united perspective in hit and someone who's of our generation, I think hit's probably a year or two older than me. And that's yeah. what, but it's funny because that's what rap used to be. Exactly. One producer, you, you being with one producer. Matter of fact, Illmatic changed that. Yeah. Illmatic was the album where he grabbed a bunch of producers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I'm just defending Nas and that I think that's become a stereotype that has been embellished a bit. That Nas just picks awful beats all the time. Because yeah. I could go through a, his whole discography. And- <clears throat> I don't think he picks awful beats at all. I'm just saying I think this is the best or the most consistent run yeah. he's had of great Absolutely. production Absolutely. through and through. Concepts on steroids. Absolutely. The art. Everything not overthinking. feels- yeah. Not overthinking shit. Wait, wait, let's look at this run real quick of the past three years. He did King's Disease, August 21 of 2020. Number two, 
about a year later, August 6th, mm-hmm. Magic that same year, three and a half months later, December 24th, mm-hmm. and King's Disease a year later, number two, on November 11th. In three and a half years, he did four of my favorite projects of his. Yep. Outside of It Was Written and Illmatic, I will put these four in the top six, seven. I'm with you. I mean, obviously, you can talk about Stillmatic being that combo, but once again, say, yeah. those, to me- Life is Good is up there for me, too. Hell no. Nowhere near King's Disease trilogy. No way. Well, all right. One album versus three is unfair. But no, I'm saying pick any one of them. Hey, any one of them. Uh, and like, I, I love Lost Tapes. Are we not calling that an album? For the sake of this conversation, of course, because yeah, Lost Tapes is, is top top five, top six to me. I agree. Still. I agree with you. Um, I would put Life is, is Good over King's Disease one. Nah, I would. Can we see what's on Life is Good real quick? Life is Good was four forty four before four forty four. It's the, Don't say it's that. the first mature. Yeah, but that, how no hip hop yeah, album? I understand what you're saying. Ever like? Are you kidding me? This this Queen story is great. Locomotive no introduction is solid. insane. Accident Murders is nuts. Daughters is amazing. Reach out is a skip. Uh, World's Addiction, nah, I like. Uh-uh. Summer on Smash is a skip. Nah, nah, not better than King's. Nah, no way, I can't do it. Nah. Cherry Wine was great, but that was from 2006. He Stay, recovers vocals. Stay isn't. There's not one song on King's Disease One that's better than Stay. I love Stay. Shout out to Salam Remy all over that one. And no, Life idea. is Good no is yep. is to me personally a classic album. And I know I said two skips in there, but oh it's still shit, Nas is on here too. Okay, I didn't realize that. Bye, baby. Are you Roses is Don? dope, too. Like, come on. No, th- I don't know if it's a classic. Bye, but baby is hard. For, at least for Nas. Like, it's a classic and for anybody else's discography, but it's It's Nas, a classic, and I think this was the first album for us to watch hip-hop age. That's a good it's point. It's a mature yeah. album. It's not some older rapper looking corny trying to keep yeah, up with the times. Yeah, his divorce. It was, it. it was the first time we saw a grown-ass man rap album. In this genre history, so I think when that was com- that was when you compare it to four four four. My only issue is four 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 felt a bit more concise. Four forty four is better. And I, and I Don't think get me wrong. No ID produced the majority did, of the it, whole thing. The whole thing. Exactly. So it had a more clear perspective to me, mm-hmm. and I connected to it a little more. But I know we read the lyrics of of your song. Yes, we know you. Oh man! <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> um, no, I think four forty four is better, but. I don't know if you get a 444 the same way without Nas doing Life is Good. That's fair. That, that's yep. all I'm saying. Because 444 is, I, there's not a skip. It's 10 flawless, album, it's 10 flawless this, records. This album does not get enough credit, man. I feel like this yeah. shit changed hip hop in the 20, what is it, 2014? Mm-hmm. Oh, 2017. No, it's 2017 for sure. 2017. Oh, okay. Oh, damn. This shit feels like yesterday. Fuck. Five years. Wow. Yeah, this album, I'm with you. This album doesn't get talked about enough. I, I know a lot of people were saying it was, uh, they didn't like the way it was mixed. Shut up. And the third. I mean, that was the thing. That was the thing when it first came out. People was like, oh, it was mixed. Uh, it sounded like they, they just got a rough mix on it. They didn't like, I don't, you know, people just find any reason to pick shit apart. But this album is one of those albums I feel like that we don't talk about enough in hip hop classics. And they'll kill us because we think everything Jay does is a classic. But. This is a really, really solid album, top to bottom. I have it number four in his discography. I was going to say it's number five for me. Yep. I put it over volume two now. Oh, wow. Hard I'm, I'm not jumping out the window. No way. I, Wait, I, what's, what's number three for you? Black? I rotate between Blueprint and Black Album Switch. Yep. Reasonable Doubt is my favorite. Blueprint and Black Album Switch. This is Switch. fourth? Yeah. I, I think I put, I put volume, volume one over this too. I, I think volume, volume one might catch in my lifetime. <clears throat> American Gangster might be over volume two at this point for me as far as how it aged personally like my personal yeah, no, I, you guys are from New York it's a little different for y'all <sighs> yeah I just think what volume two did for him alone just oh, sent to the I party mean, yeah. superstar but yeah also if, can we talk about the Blueprint production. 2 if it was if Blueprint 2 got cut down into one album oh, man. oh no we that's, shit, that's a top five we, we shit on okay. Guru all to his time. face about this yeah, all the time all the time. he said you have to do a double album now yeah. <laughs> All the time we say that. We're like, yo, if you just condense that blueprint class into one, oh yeah. Um, all right. Well, since we're talking about modern shit, I guess, where do you think R&B has gotten a lot of slack lately? Even though I think R&B is probably in one of its better places ever. Yeah, than it's been in the past 20 years. Yeah. How do you feel about- Not according to Diddy, but- Well, yeah. I'm not even talking about what Puff said about that. I'm talking <laughs> about more of like maybe the real R&B- Purists that are involved with it right now, because I don't think Puff is involved in R and B right now. 
So I don't think he's even allowed to talk about it, to be quite honest. He has a number one song. That's not an R&B song. Oh. Yes, it is. That yes, Bryson is. Tiller and... Yes, it is. That's a pop song. It's a, those are R&B drums. It's an R&B top line. There's basically no bass, but yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a pop song, bro. <laughs> All right, because it, 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 it popped off, so it's a pop song, sure. But no, it's a me, pop song. So pre Even if it didn't that, pop off, it would be a pop song. Pre Diddy taking that, that was an R&B record. Well, anyway... More so the, the people that are involved in R&B and are into the... Thank you, Eden, for telling us the time. In Spanish next time. Take your birth <laughs> control. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about the, the Whisper Singers? Because that's been, that's been one... Look, I'm going to be real with you. I think... Critique of R&B now that I can listen to someone's debate on that. I like the Whisper Singers, but there are some purists that still champion R&B, but think the Whisper Singers are killing it? I think as someone who, like personally myself, who like, I'm not a singer by nature. I'm a writer, I'm a producer, and I, and I have a good tone that I understand where it sits in the record. Mm-hmm. I feel like how you choose to uh, bring that to life, how you choose to articulate that is totally up to you. Um, but at the same time, I'm one of those, I don't love the bigger voices. Pause, like it's just not really my speed. And I think it's just all about taste at the end of the day. I mean, I think of my favorite records of the year, when you talk about, uh, yeah, Wasteland, you talk about Steve shit, Gemini rights, um, lucky candy drip. I would say he's probably the biggest voice. Sabrina Claudio, Sabrina Claudio. I wouldn't put um, her in the big voice category, but no, I was saying, I was saying I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm saying lucky is probably the biggest pause voice that I fuck with. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Blast, Black, Blast was dope. Frank. Um, I mean, you're going through this list and I'm just like, I think everyone on here for the most part outside of Abel and, and Mary probably fall into this category. I mean, Twigs falls into this category. Amber falls into this category. Um, what else we got? Well, no, I think there's a middle. There's like the whisper, whisper, and then I love the Aubrey, real singers. Like, I think, I think Amber dope. Mark falls in like the middle ground. I don't think she's a whisper singer, but I also don't think she's the big voice either. Right. So I'm, I also have a partner who can like sing, you know, Val can sing all these people under the table. So it's, it is a little more of like the duality for us. And I'm, I've realized that like the fact that I'm writing my parts or writing, you know, on this shit is like helping the dudes that are, or the girls that are coming to the show that don't sing. Yeah. I stay within the four to five notes. Whereas like, if you're out here just like singing somebody's face off all song long, I don't like feeling like I'm being yelled at. Mm-hmm. So it's, get just, overwhelming. it's not sexy. Um, I love Smino's album. I think he's a singer. Oh, he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, Probably my favorite album of the year. Yeah. Outside it's, of just five through, I promise. Hey, no, hey, I'm not. I'm <laughs> out not, on Friday. He, I Get would it. say, is did Brent shit come out? Yeah, it did come out this year. I would say yeah. Brent shit is top three. Yeah. Um, Steve, for sure. I love Beyonce's album. I felt like it was more of a dance record than an R&B record. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely dance album. Um, Yo, Giveon's album. Giveon, yeah. I don't, why don't, no one really talks about it. Chris Am I Brown, bugging to think that? Chris Brown came out this year too. Chris Groovy is amazing. The Giveon album's good, man. It just doesn't get talked the way I, I thought it would. How do you feel about Honestly Nevermind, the Drake project? Like I said, I'm I'm Iranian, so like for me, all the more like, you know, dance and rhythmic grooves really speak to me. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, a lot of my cousins are like, you know, half German, half French, half <laughs> Swedish and shit like that. So I've gone to Europe a lot growing up. So it made a lot of sense to me. I think it's dope. I love that. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Greece this summer and that's kind of all I heard out. And... uh I don't. I don't know why he got so much slack. What y'all expect? He made fucking one dance, right? Like let him. Like let him. Also, how many people on this list can go and do that and have it feel seamless? Nobody. I, I don't get. I don't get the hate. I think it's corny. People. People. I don't know. They keep saying they want Drake to rap, rap, rap. I mean, he does rap, but I mean, he's obviously like you said, one dance. He's given us glimpses and 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 songs that shows that he can make those type of records. And then I think he just decided to give us a whole project of it and have fun with it and then you know i mean i i thought the album was great and like you said the fact that he's able to even make an album like that and not sound like he's forcing it or it doesn't sound weird it just speaks to the caliber of the artist that he is where where do we rank where do we rank 40 in uh, he's 2022 
if we look through the discography the 40s done <laughs> from a, from a producer's perspective or like a beat like what is it uh just a producer producer and because he eps for the most part all of these no Mm-hmm. He even if he Absolutely. doesn't produce everything, forty is the one that that touches in a range. I mean, the sound, everything. It, it, yeah. this motherfucker, that's his sound. Mm-hmm. He's, I would say, he's the, he's the alpha to me yeah. in terms of, for our generation, the past decade. You can put you know Ali in the conversation for sure with all the Kendrick and TDE shit, mm-hmm. but from a sonic architect standpoint, I think that Toronto shit is kind of bled into the globe. Mm-hmm. Between him and Wanda, um, T minus, mm-hmm. you know they're they're incredible. Because if you if you go through timestamp records that we love to One Dance to Honestly Nevermind, is there another producer that has that type of range? This is a really <laughs> good question for you. How many records of forty? Produ- I will argue he did one or none on this latest Honestly Nevermind, but his fingerprints are all over that's, it. that's what I'm saying I, yeah. even if he's not the direct producer I think he he produced two of them produced two of them okay so usually that's that's what not even that's like 15% usually this motherfucker has done 50% mm-hmm. okay so no alright 40 only did two records on honestly never mind but 40's the type the amount of hats that he wears from an engineer to an executive producer to how he arranges all of Drake's shit to me he produced on every last one of these records and every single Drake song period. Agreed. Cause I, I think people get that fucked up. Like, all right, 40 didn't make the beat on this, but 40 produced this fucking record. So I, I think he's probably, if not the number one producer of the last 20 years. 20, I would say, uh, he who shall not be named, but 10, 40. What was 20 years ago? 2012. 10 years ago, a 20 year ago, 20, 20 years uh, ago, it's Kanye West. Okay. That's, 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 that's who, that's who would sit in my number one, him or Pharrell. Production wise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Tim even, I mean, look, or Dre, I mean, we're coming out of like chronic era. We're coming out of Missy, Genuine, Tim, basement era, yeah. Virginia shit. We're coming, I mean, we're coming out of a, out of a lot in the late nineties and early two thousands. Mm-hmm. 2010 on, I think 40 is, is the best producer in music. I'm not saying hip hop in music. From 2010 until now, huh? I think 40 is the best producer. I mean, Drake. Is I, I think a the lot of the stuff that he got, which we can in we the can, last 12 years, so we can bring up Kanye. I think a lot of 40 sound does come from 808s and Heartbreaks, but the way 40 His has elevated is completely different. Though I, I agree, I'm saying the the way he took some of that moodier sounds and some of that like 80s fucking shit, he took to another place. So I, yeah, to me personally, I don't think 40s ever talked about the way he should be talked about. The way we talk about Kanye, I think 40 is in that conversation producer-wise. I do. I would say my favorite producer of the past 10 years is a guy called Dante Jones of They. Because I think to me, production is centered around perspective Mm -hmm. and how you're um, kind of just helping produce a trajectory, a career, as opposed to a beat. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you grow up on shit like Devontae Swing and you grow up on Jimmy Legend. Jam and Terry Lewis and you mm-hmm. grow up on these true producers, Real producers. Uh, he is my, and obviously he's like one of my best friends. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to been, I've just like, I've learned kind of under his tutelage, whether it was helping sign the They Boys or working with him on some of my EO shit or working with him on some of your shit. Um, yeah, I think, I think 40, obviously in terms of what he's done can't be discounted but if we're talking about my favorite producer of the 2010s mm-hmm. you know i would put him in the conversation i think hit has to be in the combo now um hit is definitely in the conversation yeah, hit, the combo. hit to me is the most versatile producer probably in past five rap, seven rap years uh, yeah. where, where do y'all put travis as a producer and can you explain better to to i guess regular fans the difference between some like a beat maker and a producer yeah, I think a lot of, and it doesn't take away from them, but a lot of people send out packs. But to me, a producer is, you know, a creative that sees a vision for an artist or mm-hmm. a song mm-hmm. and they produce the environment that they're coming to write into. They pro- Whether it's, they know, well, shit, that candle and that meal are really important to that artist that gets them in the right headspace. Whether they know, 
you know, I could play keys or I could play such and such, but I know a better keys player and I know a better guitar player. And I'm going to create this room that is going to bring the best out of you um, and the best out of me. That's like, in short, what I consider to be a producer versus a beat maker. You know, I personally haven't played keys or guitar or bass on any of the Emotional Oranges songs, but I'd say on like 85 to 90% of them, whether it was us flipping a sample that I found by sending it to my guitar player, whether it's shout coming up with the drum loop. Yeah, shout out to Mitch coming up with the drum loop that I wanted to build out with Tay or with Yanni or going A to Z on the musicians that I brought in and writing the music for them to go and reference when they're adding parts. Mm -hmm. That to me is producing a record, which is why I don't like when people throw shade at Khaled or Puff if they don't have context to whatever record it was. Um, I've never taken a record outside. So like a lot of people will take a song that was sent to them. And once again, there's no knock to that. If you're a performer, if you're an incredible vocalist, but you're not... You don't feel like you have enough to write about at that point. Well, take an outside song. But for me, I've never done that. And I admire um, producers that are building artists from scratch, which is why 40, to me, if he's not the one, he's probably the 1A of the past 10 to 15 years because he took an artist that nobody knew about, nobody cared about, probably counted out quite a bit Mm -hmm. and took him all the way to the finish line and more. Literally created a sound. You got to put D mile in that conversation over the past five years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at this list I got on the board. I mean, when I'm thinking about these artists, who's in the conversation? Um, yeah. Drum wise, R&B last five years, cardiac. I would have to put cardiac is there dope. specifically with drums. I think a lot Shouts of people start, starting to bite. I hear a lot of records now that I could tell people listen to what cardiac does in R&B and bites everything that he's doing absolutely um because eo is so in-house do you think you ever toy the idea of of getting in with other producers i think making music just writing in general is such an intimate process that i'd have to have some kind of like relationship with someone else Mm. i am cool with d mile and i do look up to him in a lot of ways i think that'd be really dope and would make a lot of sense but like i said like one of my best friends is my favorite producer of all time, arguably, Dante Jones. And I think Yanni from Child is another incredible producer. So why would I look outside for what I feel like I already have helped cultivate within? It just seems corny to me. Look, a lot of people, you know, wait their whole lives and they're like, well, when I get here, I'm going to go and get such manager. I'm going to get such yeah. art director. I feel like, you know, my best friends, you know, Brando, who does all the art and creative for us, you and Britt uh, and Dante, Yanni, and then Valley as a singing and writing part. These are, to me, this is the final level. I'm not like, this shit doesn't turn me on. Like, I feel like y'all can put me neck and neck with any of these people. And let's look back in 10 years and see what time it is. Like, that's the shit I'm on. Yeah. And I'd rather build with people that I've felt like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm not seeing something that's making these projects be more quote unquote successful, but like, I don't find myself enjoying sessions. I've done the session thing. And I think it's, uh, it feels like speed dating. It's just lame as shit. Yeah. Like I, I, what am I supposed to, I don't even know. I don't like you. Yeah. I wouldn't go to dinner with you. Why am I going to write a song with you? And it's you? hard to write a song with someone like you're trying to get to know, like in, at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's a very that's, that's why I tell. Experience. That's why I've told Brit and obviously Brit and my publishers, Jeremy over at Concord have been super respectful for signing the level of deal that I signed. They should have been trying to horn me out to get in as many writing sessions as possible, but they've all really respected the process. Yeah, It's not going to happen tomorrow for, for me or for us, but they've at least bought into the vision as a whole. And that's why I'm never turning my back on no one that I built this shit with. Because even people like, I look at Lucky on this list and I'm like, I first heard about Lucky Day as a songwriter in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Stop running this shit that he popped off overnight. That yeah. man has put his work in. Absolutely. He's fucking incredible. And a lot of these people too on his list, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, Lancey Foe's amazing. You know, what? by the way, what is this list? Where did you get this from? This is R&B this album. best R&B album of 2022. Yeah. According right, well. to Google. Hey, Trent, you better, <laughs> this is the hip hop DX shit. Well, Trent, you better add us, bro. When this shit dropped. Is this hip hop? I just think it's like a general uh, releases release oh, just over the out. year. I love gotcha. Shy Girl too, but she's, I don't think she's making R&B. It's more like electronic shit. Sudan Archives is incredible too. 
Well, I mean, I think even to your point, not to bring Drake and 40 back up, but I saw them talk about Thank Me Later and how much they don't care for that album because Drake finally made it and they had the opportunity to work with every major producer and feature that they could come up with and they hated it. They're like, that's not our best album because we were finally like, all right, we get to work with Alicia, The Dream, Jeezy. Yeah. Like, and of course we all love them, but it's sometimes that's not the best recipe for you as an artist when you have access to everybody. Sometimes the in-house team is what really point. works. But if you're 23 and they gave you $2 million, I'm fucking hitting coming up under Wayne Carter 3. Yeah, right? I'm hitting TI and Swiss Beats yeah. immediately. By the way, they hit me now in my early 30s. Yeah. I'd st- like Jeff, I look up to Jeff, Jeff Basker. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I know Matt and Jordan. I didn't know they worked on Up All Night. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kanye is on here. Francis from Francis and the Lice is incredible. So good. Uh, he, what, what have they been doing shit. lately? I have no idea, but one of my favorite mixing, just like the the, the prismizer that he came up with, which yeah. is basically like, it's like harmonizing from a vocal perspective. And he he, he ran it through from a MIDI um, and started kind of creating tracks out of it. Like he's on some shit. Yeah, the chance, exactly. The Chance the Rapper I, record. Man, I had this dance. Say, yeah. Yep. I thought him... It, them and Chance were going to do the whole project together. Was that the last time crazy. I heard Friends and Lice. And I know Ye was fucking with that them Friends for a while. record. But if you were yeah. 23, mm-hmm. and of your whole shit, you looked up to, yeah, T.I. You have to. Yeah, you have oh, to. No, that, Ye, Hove. Like, of course. But I did like that perspective years later when Drake and 40 were like, yeah, we're not mad that we did that, but it wasn't what worked out best for us. It's at the bottom, in their opinion, of yeah. his catalog. Of all of and you understand opinions. why. Yeah. I understand why. I get it. Like internally, just knowing what they really want to do, what they really work on. That was just that they had to make that type of album. They had to make that. They had to stand next to those names. Drake had to be next to those artists on his album. I get it. But ultimately, I think where they at now is this is what the shit that they really want to do now. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, all right, we can, we can pivot again. Cause I don't, I don't want to get too much more in personal stuff. I do want to go back to our first conversation. I asked you about your breakup again, but oh my God. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Um, since you've been on the road for a while, have you ran into a lot of, uh, you, you are Iranian. Iranian. Ira- all right. Did I not? I'm from New York. That's how Iranian. we say it. Insensitive. Come on, Rory. Wrong. Damn. I'm definitely going to correct Rory. I have to correct Let's Rory. Let's get Come on. Iranian. There's not a lot of artists, uh, at least in our genre demographic, where Iranian artists uh, are seen. Mm-hmm. Have, have you run into to people within your culture that are happy that the type of current music, they finally have a face that they can see and feel like they're represented? I'm really glad you asked. It's a big reason why I even wanted to come and chop it up with y'all. It's like just growing up. There wasn't that um, that person for me that I could look up to that was like making soulful records, whether it was hip hop or R&B shit that I could point to and be like, let me try to, you know, uh, reverse engineer this and look up. You know, I, I can't explain it because when you grow up in this household where like, you know, Farsi is your first language um, and your parents, they're separated, but they've never seen anything quote unquote good monetarily success wise come out of the arts. It's challenging as shit not to like go down the path that every other Middle Eastern family is encouraging their kids to do, which is typically like be a doctor, yeah. be an engineer, be a lawyer, mm. which is nothing wrong with that. We need way less artists and way more doctors. Y'all, if y'all are trash, put your shit down. Stop it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but- <laughs> I've met a few trash doctors though. Um, Oh, that part. But that's also the system. That's a whole different thing. I'm not, I'm not getting into that. Look, what I'll say is uh, I see a whole lot of the Middle Eastern population showing up. Even when we were in Australia, I saw like eight women in hijabs. Some of them are Moroccan. Some of them are Somali. Some of them Ethiopian. And I'm personally not Muslim, but my grandparents were Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's really important to have someone that you connect with in this space uh, for you to be able to point to it and be yeah. like, well, if he can do it and he's mediocre, I can definitely do it. <laughs> do you, do you feel like you have any, I guess that's funny. Uh, yeah. If that guy can do it. 
if he um, could do it, two-stepping and singing his five-note bullshit, <laughs> I could definitely do it. You know? Let Valley dance it. and I'll just be in the back. I can make it. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like, though, now there is any responsibility? Are you nervous about that? Where, like, maybe you just want to make songs rather than be the face of probably a less represented culture within R&B? Is there some type of pressure where you feel like I have to be that guy now? I have to focus on making sure I'm representing our culture the best way I can rather than, hey, I just want to make good music and don't want to be identified as the face of this culture. I mean, luckily, I don't think we've done much and I'm still kind of writing or helping write our history. Um, But I decided I feel like probably in March when we got that drop letter that I wanted to just help educate the youth more, not only on you could do this shit no matter where you're from, who you are, but even from the independent perspective, because I didn't feel like they would, even if you, if you know somebody that's independent artist, most of the time they don't know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, those are two things that over the next five years I want to dedicate real time to is like helping give more opportunity to people that look and, you know, whatever, look like me and, and, and come from where I come from but also want to take maybe a different approach, a non-traditional approach to uh, building their business and releasing their music. Yeah. And um, yeah, shout out to my mom. I feel like, you know, looking back, I'm really grateful that I had, you know, my dad's uh, a poet, he's a writer. And him and my mom split up when I was two, but my mom took me to piano classes for five years and then violin classes for another four and really encouraged the arts early on. And even though we grew up section eight type shit, like with, they've had really difficult lives. They gave me the tools that I needed and never fucking, if anything, I think they put the battery in my back to go and pursue mm-hmm. the creative shit. Whereas most people I know that were in my shoes, whether they grew up poor, middle-class rich, I think they were just shunned yeah. by their families. If they decided they want to go down, uh, even pursuing sports, like how many Iranians do you know in the league right now, bro? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a fucking NBA fanatic. I can't name any. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a problem. So I think culturally, like that shit is even designers. I know Melody's killing it right now. Um, I just want to see more representation in the arts in general. So I want to try to lead by example and Sure, it's a big responsibility, but we ain't shit yet. So I got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. You got? Don't say that. You guys, you guys have been all right. You just did Coachella. You know? Yeah, you've been doing some. You've been doing some <laughs> shit, bro. Um, you got a lot of shit done out here. What What was Thank the you. first first moment that your family was like, "Oh, all right, I get it." What What was one of those? When My, your mom stopped telling you to get a job. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh wait, this is this could work. Yeah, she um, Coachella. <laughs> I'm gonna give her more credit than that. She came to see me. Uh, we sold out the El Ray, which is where I saw Frank in 2012. Mm-hmm. We sold out that. We sold out the El Ray like on the on sale, right? Yeah, it was like day one or some shit. And she came, and there was like it wasn't like some weirdo industry shit that usually the first shows are. It was like 800 fan fans, and we had announced the show with four songs out. I think she was in, first off, she was in tears, but second off, she was like, how? Mm-hmm. It was day of. I don't even think. Right. Didn't we announce it day of? Or I, it, was so, it, was, it was 2019. <laughs> I have no idea. It was so long ago. Yeah. And my dad, my dad came to San Francisco. His girl, he's been with this girl for 20 years. Her name's Wendy. And she brought him and, you know, my dad's blind and she escorted my dad backstage and he was like, He's an incredible writer, an incredible poet. So he's done readings, but he's never been to a concert concert for me like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, you know, we walked him upstairs and um, yeah, he was just, he was just like hysterical, kind of like just in tears being like, they all came for you, you know, like how? And he's mm-hmm. like, you really, he's like, you did it. He's like, this, this is the dream. Mm-hmm. And had to kind of shake me a little bit and be like, you know. I know you're in your head like it didn't happen for you when you were 23, but I think at the time we did Great American Music Hall, it was probably like 29, 30, and I'd felt, I'd felt like uh, it was hard to step into the, my power. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I think just in general, it's just hard to be like, you know how it is. I mean, you guys are kind of the same. Like We don't want to fucking... Yeah, no. I, I, that's why I'm, I'm relating to everything you're saying. Like, when you, 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 you feel a moment where it's like, oh shit, it's happening. 
and you see it and the people are, you know, giving you so much love and support. And then your family is kind of like, okay, everything that he he was chasing and he wanted said he wanted to do, he's doing it. It's happening. We're here, we're supporting, and it's, you know, family's crying. Everybody's just happy to see that you finally are doing what you set out to do. Um, I saw I, I we were mad, at the, I'd be mad at my family. <laughs> that is a Rory fucking thing. T- ten, 10 years of like ah, oh, what is he doing over there and now, like, I now fucking they lo- told you mom now they love it <laughs> <laughs> now they rave about you, you at know, work right uh, rest in peace to my grandparents at the Chicago show Emotional Oranges my grandma was like I, I think we're, Rory's doing like a Broadway play yeah. in Chicago <laughs> where did so you even sweet. get that from Metro Theater no 2019 they were so fucking sweet man they rest walked up peace. like fucking how many flights of steps and the whole time like I think it's a Broadway play I'm like Grandma, so nothing nah. to do with Broadway. <laughs> nothing to do with that. <laughs> they just see a stage in a theater. Yeah, they're they're like, oh, that. it must be he's on Broadway. No, mom, this is nothing like Broadway. We're not doing that. Um, we I saw your show, the last Emotion Orange show in uh, L.A. at the Nova, I believe. Yes, sir. That was a great show. And a great show. And I told Rory, I was like, I got to come to some more of these live shows. And then I caught y'all here in New York at, at Webster Hall. And I was, the crowd is just a different, different type of crowd, different vibe. It's like everybody is kind. It's like a community. Yeah, man. Everybody's on the same wave, the same drugs. You know, the same. It's the, the like, drug of emotion. Yeah, it's just like everybody's on the same shit. But it's 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 women. It's 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 guys. It's different cultures. How does that make you feel looking out to audience and seeing your music and your words touch so many people from different parts of the world? First of all, I'm just super fucking grateful. Uh, there was a 12-year-old at our show, and there was their 52-year-old dad. Oh, we beat you. We, we, had a, we had a three-week-old at our show. We beat you out on that one. Yeah, three oh weeks old. No, we had an actual Fresh out the womb. That's so Show in D.C. Fresh out literally. I wish, I wish Britt would have brought Dawson when right? she came to L.A. We would have we beat y'all by a week. Um, <laughs> nah, man. I, I think, uh, like I said, I'm trying to accept those, like the love and the flowers a little more, because I feel like it's a bit fleeting. And... Uh, it's ill. I never thought we helped cultivate such like a dope, diverse community mm-hmm. where, yeah, it just feels like high school again, except not with the toxic shit, you know, like everyone, like yeah. all different walks of life are kind of chilling at the kind of in that circle together mm-hmm. and, um, and no one's judging each other. You know, we have all type of different, you know, whether it's, you know, lesbian, gay, old, young, brown, white, black, everything. Mm-hmm. And Julian. Yeah, he's all those things. He's yeah. Lebanese and black, so he kind of falls into that mix perfectly. And fluid, yeah. and fluid. Okay, right. yeah. They they call me sexual and gender fluid. He's, he's sexually ambiguous in the yeah. face. Yeah. Very y'all, y'all out of control. Um, <laughs> incredible. No, the progressive support. point you were making. I'm sorry. No, yeah. it's 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 love. I think. Look at the end of the day, uh, this shit feels like when we used to go to like house parties in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and that was intentional. And I want that shit to keep. I want to definitely house party energy. Yeah. It's that vibe. And I, shit, what I learned from the first show you guys ever did in Toronto was that the single is the least important part of mm-hmm. a show. Remember when Corners of My Mind went off and crazy after the show, we were like, wait, we didn't know that was the song that everyone fucking ran right to. Also, and EO I'm- has been, a, I feel like a masterclass in B-sides when it comes to live shows. And I have to be really clear here. This is impossible without Valley. Uh, I could barely two-step to some of these fucking drum grooves. She's out here making my job incredibly easy. This is the best performer outside of Prince that I've seen live. And to have her as my partner uh, and someone who kind of pushes the boundaries and helps empower me. Yeah, I just like, I got it easy. She's you know, dope. She's unreal. And I wish people knew, you know, I've cut so many vocalists in my life. I've written with so many people in my life. This shit feels like water. Like we get in the room and it comes out like, like pause, like nothing else I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. And when something's that easy, usually it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if y'all are that on that playing field and that kind of wavelength together, mm-hmm. um, and so we pushed through some wild shit. Obviously, you know, being signed to a major and not being able to put out shit for a year and a half was difficult, but like losing a quarter million on touring, all these things that like, she's like, nah, bro, like I, I believe in this wholeheartedly and kind of has given 
her, you know, her time and her life to this, just like Brittany has, like Brando has, like you, like a lot of people have. That's why I think we see the community that we do and they got the love that they got. It's not because somebody s- sat in a room and fucking masterminded some shit like Magneto, bro. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people listen, I used in. to go, I used to go to Valley's job when she was waitressing. Like it's crazy. It's crazy to see this shit. Her on stage at Coachella, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I went to your job when you was a waitress. Like, yo, dope. This group is it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Val. I really love you, man. This is like, you know, four years in the making, finally. And you guys aren't fucking because that's what the world wants to know. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's one of my best friends. Are people uh, still on that? People still. Oh, absolutely. That? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mom is still convinced. Oh man. <laughs> Lord have mercy. My mom was at Brooklyn Steel. Like, there's too much chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I think just because Val's, you know, an incredibly beautiful, attractive woman all across the board motherfuckers want to just yeah I, I have no chance yeah well we know that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck which <laughs> Maul you're good at closing these episodes out well Zah listen man thank you for uh coming and kicking it with us for a few man we appreciate it uh this was dope I feel like I got to learn more about you I hear so much about you from Rory I, obviously I love Emotion Oranges I love what y'all are doing I love the branding um I love the you know everything y'all doing the candles the it's just fly shit. It's just it's, Thank you. it's a certain level of taste, a certain level of class that y'all are moving with with your brand. And um, shout out to you, shout out to Val, and um, everybody with the Emotional Oranges team, Avant team. Um, and this weekend, man, I'm looking forward to the project. New vibes, December 9th. Yes. December Juice 9th, volume three. Juice volume three. We're independent in this. Bitch. Juice volume three. Support independent. Support art. Support great people. Support good energy, man. Um. And quickly, Brando's the one that actually keeps us all related, if you think about it. Brando is Between the- St. John, Biggs, Brando is Maul, the, the master EO and St. John are master all master. related because of Brando. Behind some of the dopest uh, merch images that uh, we've seen in the last few years. The man. best I'm in the game. Lie. Absolutely. That, that's, that's the best creative mind in the game. Absolutely. Fuck what you heard. Huge fan of Brando's. Huge, huge fan. And suck my dick if you disagree. I was I, I was actually happy to meet you at the Novo at the uh at the show at the Novo when I I heard so much about you from Biggs and from St. John. And then you was this, this cool laid back. I'm like, wait, don't sit here. Like you have you would design some of my favorite pieces that I wear every fucking day. Like And then I started resenting Brando because you would walk into the pod with all these St. John sweatpants. I'm like, I know the guy that designed it. I just can't get them for some reason. <laughs> no, Brando's amazing. Oh, Shout I know, out to Brando, I know Carlos man. and Brando really well. I still don't have a I don't have no St. John shit outside of what he How? gave me. Four years ago, probably because I, I have don't the ask, Christian but... Sex Club socks. That's the only thing I have. <laughs> probably because I don't ask, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brando. Um, so yeah, Zod, man, thank you for coming by, kicking with us. Peace, we bro. appreciate you, brother, and um, I can't wait to see y'all on stage again soon, man. Love, thank you guys for having me. I'm appreciate that nigga. It. He's just ginger. Peace. No.